This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen, amen. If you will, go to the book of Malachi. We have a lot of... We're going to take a little turn. And when we take a little turn, I'd like for you to, to... Think on, that's why it's so important to go back and listen to the message before Sunday or go over your notes before Sunday so that you can latch on and connect the knowledge and move forward. Remember, this is a teaching ministry. We're Church of the Living Water. We are a teaching ministry here. And we're trying to get it line upon line, precept upon precept to those that belong here, those that are streaming. We want you to grab a hold of this. We don't, we're not just teaching for fun. We're not just saying something. We want you to learn. We want you to develop. We want you to grow. We want you, if you belong to another church, we want you to grab this information and be able to minister it to someone else. Uh, Whatever the case may be, we're all one in the body of Christ and we need one another. And this joint wants to supply. And so we want to supply about the tithe so that you will not be mixed up, confused in any way about the tithe. Now, if you will, go to the book of Malachi, chapter 3, which is our foundational scripture. We always have our foundational scripture because if you, whatever you teach or whatever you do or whatever you build, if there's not a foundation, then there's, it's not going to let, it's like sinking sand. It's, go, it's not going to stand. It'll look like it's built up, but it's going to sink in sand. That's what I call, I, I call people that go from church to church to church. The foundation is not sure. I don't care how much you can quote the word. I don't care how much you love God. And you're going to heaven, but your foundation is shaken. And when your foundation is shaken, you give place to the enemy. You need a firm foundation. So so it is when you're teaching. You have to have a foundational scripture that you're building everything on. And I want you to understand that. So Malachi chapter 3 is our foundation. That's what we're building this whole series of teaching on. So we're about to take a turn. We've already discussed different things in our last few teachings, and now we're about to jump into another area, and I want you to follow. In Malachi chapter 3, beginning at verse 6, it reads, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Jump down to verse 10. He says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows, notice that windows is plural, open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive. Now, Listen to me. We need to understand the real truth about the tithe so that we will not be confused if somebody come with some other doctrine. We're going to follow the scriptures and follow what God, what Jesus has set into place. Amen. One of the most relevant questions in the body of Christ and the, one of the most frequent asked questions in the body of Christ and, and from believing saints, those that love God but just kind of confused because they've heard so many teachings 
on the tithe. Why should I tithe? Or what's the real truth? How does it really work? Do is it for today? Is it Old Testament? Is it the law? Is it? It's many questions for the believer. And we're trying to help you understand how to receive the full benefits of the tithe. You need to have the full benefits. I was hearing the minister this morning. I'm telling you everything that he's saying. If you're not getting the benefit of it, you have to have, you have, you, that's the main thing. You want the benefit of it. You don't want to just be tithing all your life and be like, why? I know what the tithe, well, first of all, in everybody's head, the tithing means God's going to give me money. But if you're following this teaching, you'll find out that's not it. I'm like, it's God's plan to provide for your life. And let me tell you, provision is more than money. Provision is more than money. If that's all you want, let me tell you. So what about if you get sick and you have all the money? Because that's people that have been sick with all the money but can't get well. You need more than money. You need the provision of God. You need a miracle. You need what God has. You need all of that. But we would prefer to have just money. And, you know, I don't, I kind of don't fault you for that because a lot of times it's taught that way. Amen. So we understand that the tithe that, that goes is in the kingdom of God and it will be a ble- it's going to be a blessing to you and it's going to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Always. Now listen. God's word is always going to be a blessing to the believer. Whether you like it or not, whether it's rebuke, whether it's correction, whether it's chastisement, I don't care if you don't like it, it's a benefit. We want all the benefits of God in every area, in this area, in every area of our life. Because, because something doesn't, um, you don't like it doesn't mean that it's not beneficial for you. Like medicine. A lot of things you don't like the taste of it, but it's beneficial for you. So it's not about liking it or not liking it. It's about getting the benefits. And God's word is gonna also gonna gonna give you the benefit. And the tithe is not only gonna be a blessing to you, but also to a blessing to others. And then we talked about the principles that we discovered that governs the law of tithing, and we said that's sow and reap. Sow and reap as long as the earth remains shall always be. Sow and reap. And we must remember that sow and reap is God's plan to provide for our life. If you want to know where provision is gonna come from, that's where it's gonna come from. Sow and reap. Reap, sow and reap, sow and reap. That, I'm telling you, some people, they don't understand. They sow, okay, let's just say, let, let, let's just pause on the, on the tithe. I'm going to show you that sow and reap works. Let's just, let, let's just put a pause right here just on the tithe. But look at your life. Look at things you've sown for years. Some of you have sown hatefulness and meanness but now you've gotten saved and you're different but you've sown it because you got saved it's all it was already the ground now you got people that don't really want to have anything to do with you but you sold that it works and you'll be like, well, okay, that's all over why can't it because the sow and reap works across the board you're getting back what you put in the ground in every area. And, and, and 
And, you know, you can call it what you want, this, that, and the other. I mean, and, and that's just one area. Just look back at your life in different areas that you've sown in. And look at where your life is now. And look what has come out of it. You are reaping what you've sown. A lot of times we forget what we've sown. But you know what? A good farmer never forgets what he sows. Even if it don't come and be like, yeah, I got a bad crop today because I remember sowing that. But see, most of the time, God's people, they sow all those kind of things. And then they they try to forget. Sometimes they really do forget. But it doesn't matter. It works. <laughs> Whether you remember it or not. And then some of you have to look back and say, you know, I sowed all of that. And there it is. Some of you, you have to look at your children's life. And you're wondering why they're in the state they're in. You sold it. You sold it in their lives. I, it does not matter. I don't care when they get grown or whatever. Sowing, and they sow into their children's life. You sold different things. It works. But back to the tide. Because we have a lot of information to get to. Now, this is what I need you to understand and get about the principle, the principle of sow and reap. That means that it has two parts. That principle has two parts. Sow and reap. That's two parts. Listen. Therefore, the principle is never complete until you get a harvest. So once you sow... That principle of sow and reap is not complete until the harvest come in. Because it's a two-part principle. Sow and reap. Once you sow, you must get a harvest. Sow and reap. Two parts. Understood. It's not complete. And see, that's what we want. We want to sow and we don't want to wait for the harvest. we like, well, I did that. I did. Well, you just sowed. Now you got to wait on the harvest. And we want to think we can just sow right there and it's just going to jump up and bud. Well, I did this and, you know, I'm, I, they need to do this. And, well, you know what? Sometimes you can sow different things because you have gone and you're digging up that seed and you want to sow something different. But now you got to wait for it to grow. you got to wait for the harvest. Everything is just not going to come into play just because you sowed. It's... it's uh, Principle, two parts. Again, that principle, to be complete, there must be a harvest. No completion of this particular principle, sow and reap, unless you haven't harvest. And the end results of that principle of sow and reap is that you will have an harvest. And a harvest should be to rebound for the glory of God. When you get the harvest, God should get the glory. Because this principle is at work in your life. When you sow it and you get the harvest, you should recognize it and give God glory. Now, we define the tithe. And we, and we gave these uh, meanings of tithes. We said the tithe is one-tenth. We said that it is legally incoming cash, both earned and unearned. We said that the tenth belongs to... And must be returned to God. It's never ours in the first place. We've been saying that from the beginning. You should have that down now. You should, you should already have thrown out of your vocabulary 
that I'm giving tithes. You ought to already put bring in there. That should have replaced. You should replace all of that. I'm giving my tithes. I'm doing. You're bringing what to get it out of your mentality that is yours. Amen. It is the first fruit. We must immediately separate it in our, from our own possession. It is that part. That part that never ever get into our mentality that it's ours. It's that part. I mean, we can't, we gotta make sure that concept don't lie in our heads. We have to mentally tell ourselves it's not ours in the first place. Now, it's in your hands because God wants a seed and not money. Obedience. We said money is not the seed. The, the seed is obedience. Get that. So we separate it in our minds. We separate it in our hearts immediately. And we discovered also that our, in our central thought, thought of teaching that sacrifice is that which we suffer when we do not tithe. The tithe is not a sacrifice. It's what you suffer when you do not tithe. We have discovered that the tithe is not a sacrifice. But let me say this to you. It is not a sacrifice, but I want you to learn this. In the spiritual principle of sow and reap, that is, the, the tithe can be accursed. Now let me tell you what accursed means, because you have to understand that. And accursed thing is something that's either set aside, it's a set aside for one thing. Just put, a, the, it, it's a set aside. Now it could be a set aside for sacrifice. Unto God, it can be a set aside to be used for the service of God. And it can also be a set aside because of a peculiar time that it was displeasure to God. Now, I'm just talking about right now what a curse means. It can be, I'll say it again, I'm not talking about the tithe, just the tithe specifically. I'm talking about the word a curse because the tithe can be a curse. It is a curse. Now, listen again. Because when we see that, we like, oh, is that bad? Is that bad? I, I just told you, it's a set aside. It could be set aside for a sacrifice for some people. It could be set aside for the use in the service of the Lord. It also can be because at that time, it is a displeasure with God. And then the tithe falls into that accursed category and a set aside. Where what? It is used in the service of God. That means that I, it's only used for that. Are you with me? So then, the purpose of tithing, we said, is... Now, now this is what you have to understand, too. Those three areas in set aside for sacrifice, or the use of the service of God, or displeasure of God, all of that depends on the person tithing. Which one it falls under? It's you, not the, not the tithe. It's you. You can make it where it's a sacrifice. You can make it where it's supposed to be in the service of God. Or you can make it where it's a displeasure to God. It's the individual. So the purpose of tithing is to finance the kingdom of God on the earth. So there's a proper distribution. Why? So there's a proper distrib distribution of wealth in, of God in the body of Christ. Why? To further the kingdom. 
God said, I want to be able to prosper us in all different ways so that we can further the kingdom. That's one of the purposes. It is also to publish the gospel so that those that are lost and alienated and shut off from the life of God can find it. We might have, it's also so we might have financial resources to get the gospel out. We need all of that going on for those that are lost. That's what it's about. And thirdly, it's to provide the spiritual and natural or temporal needs of the tither. I want you to understand that. See, it goes much further than you know. The tithe covers a lot. The tithe gives God a channel whereby he may usher unto us the spiritual and natural things that we might need. That's God's way. We come, you know, and then we come, we're going to come down now because that's all I'm going to touch on in those deals because we've talked about those things at length. But let's, let, let, let's, let's talk about a principle that governs the tithe, which we're going to discuss today. And this is how, this is the, what I want you to write down. Let's find out today what defiles the tithe. What do, what happened? What, what, I need to know what defiles, cause once it's defiled, it's no good to you. You're not gonna get the benefits from it. You're not gonna get the benefits from it. Now listen. The tithe and how it operates within the principle of the of, uh, sow and reap, we're going to answer the question, what defiles the tithe? What messes up my tithe? Even though I throw it in the bucket, what de- defiles it? Now, to, to get us to understand it, we have to re- how to receive the proper benefits from it. I must understand what will defile the tithe. But if I'm going to get the proper benefits, I need to know so I can stay away from what defiles it. I need to know. Tell me what will destroy my tithe once I put it in the bucket. Because there are so many believers that tithe on a regular basis, but they don't know if it has been defiled or not. Because if it's defiled, I don't care about you putting it in. It's not going to benefit you. God set standards. He's just not leaving you out there. And so the, the question is, what will make it where I will not get the full benefits of the tithe? Now, there are four laws that God has put into place. And if you violate these four laws, you can defile the tithe. And we're going to get into them today. There are four laws. That God has set into place, and he said, if you violate any of these, you will defile the tithe. All four of them are important, and I want you to look at them. Strangely enough, all of them are ordained by God. When you look at them, you'll be like, oh my God, God ordained all of these? Yes, because he wanted you to keep your tithe clean Keep it as first fruit. Keep it where he can receive it. Number one, the spiritual law. Now listen, if we disobey the spiritual laws of God, our tithes are defiled. If we disobey the spiritual laws of God, our tithe is defiled. I want to give you a definition of spiritual law. 
A spiritual law is a law that has been enacted by God that governs the spiritual realm. It sets decency in the spiritual realm, order in the spiritual realm, and it brings provision in the spiritual realm. I'll say it again. The spiritual laws is, it has been enacted or put in place by God that governs the spiritual realm. We, God governs, He has set it there. He said, now this is going to govern the spiritual realm. And we want to pull out of the spiritual realm. He said, this is how it's governed. He said, it's going to set decency in the spiritual realm. It's going to set spirit, uh, order in the spiritual realm. And it's going to bring provisions in the spiritual realm. Number two, the law. Remember, it's four. Then there's the natural law. If they are broken, they will defile the time. Definition of natural law. A natural law, again, is enacted or put into place by God and it is to govern the natural realm or to govern nature. We live here. Now, this natural law, it is patterned after the spiritual law. And as we continue on in this series, you'll find out natural is first. This, listen, the natural law is patterned after the spiritual law. And we just saw what the spiritual law was. So what we see in the natural that is governed in the natural law, there's a spiritual law exactly like that in the spiritual realm. That's governing the spiritual realm. The same way that God, God said, I'm setting it in the natural realm for what? Back, if you go back up to your, the spiritual realm, because He said, I'm setting decency in the natural, order, and to bring about provisions. It's the same thing with the natural realm, but you have to abide by the things that are, that are put in place for the natural law. Third law. Civil laws. If we disobey civil laws, it can defile our tithes. See, we just didn't know that. Now, that is one that you may, you know, you, you may be a little shocked by. What? If I disobey the law of the land, it could have an effect on my tithe. I'm going to show you in the scripture where it most definitely will. You, you know, again, if I don't show it in the scripture, you don't have to believe it. It will defile your tithe. Now, the civil laws are laws that, listen, they're enacted or put in place by men. By men. And it's to govern your behavior. Now, they should be based on spiritual laws of God. And they are, but they're governed. They, it's there to govern man's behavior. They're also there to keep decent in order and to support the land. See, it's all, it's all for standard. It's all for how God sets up things. He's just so wildly put it out there. Everything is decent and in order. He says the civil laws are there so everything will be decent and in order and that the land could be provided for the land that you live off of. Number four. And then there's the religious laws. 
What is a religious law? Well, if you don't abide by it, it will defile, it will defile the top. If you disobey religious laws, it can defile your tithe. Now, the religious law, listen to me, is a discipline in your local church. Mm, here we go. The discipline in your local church. It is, again, put in place by man. It's put in the church for decency, order, and temporary support of that local church. Can you see how God is just matching it all up? All of it is connected. But those four laws must be in place. They have to be, you have to be operating in those in order to get the benefit. You do not want your tithe defiled. Because you can tithe all you want. But if you are going against all of this, guess what? Well, I'll get to that. I'm I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Now... I'm I'm meant to show you these principles. Everyone say, we must see it in the scriptures. Say that with me. I must see it in the scriptures. Okay, because so you'll know. See, God's principles are all in his word. Everything that we need is in the word of God, and it is there. Now listen to me. Because we, I, I'm, 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 I'm making sure that your tithe, is, if it has been defiled, that you are no longer defiled. You got the four laws already that must not be, must, you, you can't go against them and put your tithe in and think it's going to work. Now, I want to deal with them in the reverse order in which I gave them to you. Now, I'm going to start with the disobedience to the religious laws and how that defiles your tithe. Go with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Let's go over there. Let's deal with the religious laws first. Talking about at the church. Now, keep your weight cap on. Don't get sleepy. Don't get slouchy. And please don't get lazy. Because this is very important to provisions for you in making a change in your life. In, in Matthew chapter 17, are you there? Look at verse 24. It says, And when they were come to Capernaum, talking about Jesus and his disciples, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? Now, let me stop right here and let me, let me give you some information that you need to know. Let me give you the definition of tribute first. See, if you don't go and search these things out and go and find out what it is, you'll start thinking on an American level. You'll start thinking on your society level. And you cannot read, you cannot read the Bible like you reading Tom and Jerry book. There's research, those things you have to look at, you have to concentrate, you have to meditate, you got to go back, you got to see. So let's look at the, what the word tribute. Sometimes it's used in the scripture to describe civil taxes. It's according to which scripture that we're using. Sometimes it's used to, call, to, to be used as an assessment. And then other times it's used as a poll tax. Now, in this particular context, the word tribute refers to a religious assessment because of what we're teaching. 
But that word tribute, so when you see tribute, when we're talking about it now, you're thinking assessment. Are you with me? And an assessment is enacted or put in place by man for the support of the house of God. And that's what it means right here. What we, what we just read. This is enacted by man to support the temple or our local church as, as, as we're doing. And many churches in that case. Now watch this, because Jesus is gonna set some precedents here. And you need to understand this. He's gonna set some standard here, and he's probably, and, and you know what? You're probably going to get shook up a little bit if you've never heard this before. But you're going to see what God said, what Jesus says about the assessment in the church. You're going to to see. Now watch this, because Jesus Jesus is about to say it. Let's read 24 again. And when they came to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? Now, those who was responsible for collecting the assessment to support the temple, they came to Jesus. Listen. Now, this is assessment because sometimes in the church, we frown upon the church when it asks for assessment. Because we're like, well, I'm tithing, you know what? Um, we, have, we frowned on it. On, on it. But... We're going to see how Jesus handled it. Because if we see how Jesus handled it, then we'll no longer frown upon it. We'll just act like he acted. Are you with me? So should we assess people, the church, or should we not? Should we just do the tithe, or should we assess the people? We're going to find out what happens. Watch this. Jesus handled it. Now, when they said... Do, doth not your master pay tribute? The last part of 24. They asked Peter, does Jesus pay an assessment to support the needs of the temple? Look at verse 25. He said yes. Hmm. He said yes. Now stop there and look at that. He said yes. Are you following me? See, you, 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 you gotta, you gotta stop there. So, so right now, you just saw, they just asked him, let's take the word tribute and say assessment. They said, does Jesus assess? Does your master assess? And they said, yes. Hmm. Look at verse, look at, look at verse 25. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, or, or when he said prevented him, Jesus stopped him and said, What thinkest thou? What do you think, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their children or of strangers? Basically what he's saying, um, if a king is going to assess, does he assess his own children or does he assess the people? Are strangers. Watch this, verse 26. Peter said unto him, Of strangers. Jesus said unto them, Then are the children free? 
I know some of you like, hey, man, because I'm a child of God. Free. I'm free. Hold on. See, we like to run off. Let God explain it all to you so you can be balanced. Well, does that mean that your children are free from their sexing? <laughs> Understand some things. Verse 27. Well, let me run from 26. Peter said unto him, of strangers. Jesus said unto him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, though, lest ye should offend them, go thou into the sea, and cast a hook, and take up a fish, and the first that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that that take that take and give unto them for me and for thee. Well, does that mean that now, now what did he just say? What the strangest way, this is the strangest way to pay your assessment. He said, now go, he said, notwithstanding, uh, because everything that Jesus did, and this is what you have to understand, when you're around men and women of God, and they're talking to you, that's why you sometimes need to be quiet, because they're always teaching. They're always teaching. Jesus was teaching here. He asked him a question, and he said, well, aren't they true? Well, but notwithstanding, I'm telling you that should the children, well, shouldn't the, ch- the children should be free. Notwithstanding, let me teach you something. Did you hear me? Always be, be willing to be taught. Always be willing for that. Now listen. So he understood this. That meant that the children, that for some of us, that meant that the children could go free. Now, let's talk about the implications of this particular scripture. When he said, several things you can take from this, what, what Jesus just said. And write it down. This is implication number uh, letter A. Write, write letter A. Jesus supported and approved the laws of the church to support the church. In other words, Jesus approved special offerings above the tithes. Now, this particular thing has nothing to do with the tithes. This has to do with the assessment. He said, now, listen, nevertheless, go and get money from the fish mouth and pay the assessment for you and me. He just said, I approved it. Now, listen... Jesus was blameless. If this was not right to do, the Bible teaches us that he was without sin. If it was sinful, if it was wrong, Jesus would not have done it. He would not have done it. (laughs) Are you following me? See, so all of that talk, what else do the church want? What else? Jesus just said, actually, what did he mean when he tells them? You have to understand, the disciples were fishermen. He said, go to work. Go to work. See, they have to win work. Now, how many, I don't know a lot of you that maybe go and fishing. How many of you know as soon as you go fishing, you don't just be there for a few seconds and a fish come up? You have to work for that. And you really, and you really didn't got to throw back and you putting other things on. You're working. These was work. Basically, he was, he said, uh, go fishing, go do your job. And whatever you get from that job, pay it. 
Yeah, I get it. Don't let no sir, no ma'am. Don't you stop assessing right now. I mean, and don't you stop, I'm sorry, don't you stop streaming right now. Like, oh, Lord, they talking about money. Listen, God's people need to get out of that. That, that, that shows a lot of immaturity. Stay right where you are. God is trying to teach you something. And he did not only support it, he approved it. Now, when he was talking about the king's children being free, back up in verse 25, here's the next implication. The statement meant that he was telling him, well, I'm the son of God. I really don't have to pay this. I'm the son. I really don't have to. I'm not bound to a religious law. He was actually speaking of himself. You better follow me. When he would say, would the king child have to pay assessment? He said, I'm the son of the living God. And I'm the third person in the Godhead. Do you think I am beholden to a religious law? I'm not. I'm not bound by it. However, listen, this is, is, Jesus is awesome. However, I'm in the earth realm, (laughs) and I'm walking this walk, and I'm showing you how to walk, and I'm showing you the way it's done, and he said, for decency, for order, and support of the temple, I'm going to pay it. I'm going to assess. For decency, for order. <laughs> oh my God. What a good God. But he said, but, but notice why I made that statement to you. I wanted you to know that I'm not bound to it. <laughs> I respect your right to have them. Basically what he was saying, I expect that, but you must understand that there will come a time that it's some things in the church that some churches do that I will not honor. But that one I do. That one I do. Why? Because it's about furthering the kingdom. It's about establishing the kingdom. It's about furthering it so other people can get saved, where other people can grow and develop and move on. So, yes, I approve that. But just so you know, I don't have to do any of that. It's just like when he said, you know, when he was like, oh, he could do this, that, and the other, and cutting off the ear when he was going to God. He said, don't you know who I am? I could just mention a legion of angels and they'd come and fight for me. But I'm in the earth for a purpose. I'm not trying to do all of that. I'm here to fulfill a purpose. See, a lot of times we're trying to make people see something in us that it's all off your purpose. Just do what God has told you to do. You don't have to, you don't have, people don't have to know everything that you do. So that particular law he agreed with. He supported it. But understand I'm the son of God. And if something else come up and I go against it, you better know what it is. But this one, so he said, pay. 
He paid the tribute. So he did something very unique. And, and this is what I love. In the theological setting of this whole thing, Jesus also, this, this is why they came, they came and asked him. Do you right? Because actually Jesus was late. So they saw that he hadn't paid. He was busy about his father's bit. And they saw that he hadn't paid, so they said, hmm, we can get him there. See, they was already trying to get him before. They wanted, you know, they always trying to give him questions and trap him. So they was like, hmm, let's ask him because he hadn't paid yet. So let's ask him, do he pay tribute? Does he pay the assessment? <laughs> you n- Listen, didn't I tell you you'll never make God a liar? You're never going to try to trap Jesus. How? How? Listen. And so Jesus, because it was late, and it was past the time that it was due. It wasn't so much late like, oh God, he was just late on his bill. It was just the time for that. And they just saw that his wasn't on, was undocumented down. So they jumped on that. You know, that, yeah, I know that he should be accept, uh, accepted. So they came really saying, you know he's late because everybody's name is down. I don't see his name down. Hmm. And I could just see Jesus smiling at them, thinking they said, you know, I really don't have to pay this. But for your sake, idiots. For your sake. That's what he's basically saying. He knew exactly what they was doing. He had already... See, why did Peter say yes, that he paid the tax? Because he, this is not something that it wasn't his first time. This is something he always did. So it wasn't like, oh, this was his first time making an assessment. No, he said, do he make, does your master praise? He said, yes. They knew it too. Oh, I love this. God, you, you just, just good. So, so see, it, it doesn't matter what you think, how you think. Your pastor have a right to set things in the church to help it function better. Sorry, I don't care how much you don't like it. We just saw it there. That's a religious law that's set up in the church. Now watch this. Now look at how he got the assessment. His disciples, Peter, was a fisherman. He went and got the, fit, the money out of the mouth of the fish. But he went to work. So in other words, God said, whatever your livelihood is, do that and take that, take a portion of that and assess if asked. Plain and simple. However you make a living. So you have your tithe, and you take out that uh, out of your income, your assessment for the church support. That's an implication there. Whatever you normally do for a living, go ahead and do that. And your church support will be taken out. That just should be the norm. It says something else. It says that when God gives us employment, because God is the the Bible says he's the one to give you power to gain wealth. It's not on your own. I don't care how many degrees you have. Let me tell you, you can have double doctorates and you sick in your body, you can't work. He gives you the power to go to work. He gives you the power 
to find out different things that need to go on on your job to make you look sad. He's the one who did. You better acknowledge that. And we're going to find out in the next lesson that all of this, how important it is with the 90 that's left from the tithe. We just use it any kind of way and still want God to bless. And But God is going to tell you about that too. Because I'm going to tell you this morning that the 90 is just as important as the tithe. Just as important as the tenth. That's what Jesus is trying to say here. Yeah, you go right, you go right into the 90 and say, okay, God, show me how to be a blessing so that I can superabound. Amen? Now, the second thing is not the first thing that, that, that had been done. This is not the first time that this is that Moses did it. Moses did it when he was building the temple. When Moses got ready to build the temple, he assessed the people. He was the, he wasn't the only one. Nehemiah did it. It's all over the scriptures. But when we do it, they, they doing something else with the money. And both of them had different percentages on when they did the amounts that they did. They had different assignments. Most, Moses did it one way. Nehemiah saw how Moses did. Nehemiah took after what Moses did, but he had a whole different amount. So everybody doing what, whatever is working for whatever assignment you're on. Now only the Jews, now, not only that, the Jews did it because they saw Moses do it. <laughs> and the Jews, they patterned their assessment after Nehemiah because Nehemiah's was greater than the assessment of Moses. Go back and read it. You can go over in Exodus and read all about it. So Jesus was saying, Moses did it. Nehemiah did it. You can do it. You can do it. It's fine. The church needs support. I don't have a problem with it. There might come a time that I might have a problem with something else, but this I don't, so just do it. You'll find where Moses did it in the book of Exodus. I told you that. You'll find that Nehemiah did it. And watch. Failure then to do your part, the uh, committed part, can defile your tithe. What does that mean? That means if you have committed to do it and stop and you're still tithing, your tithe, your tithe is defiled. Ooh, some of you just, just, just found out. If you committed to it and you stopped, and whatever. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes, don't make a vow that you cannot play because God's going to hold you to it. You make a commitment part and you don't fulfill it, you will defile, you may defile the tithe. Why? Because it's a heart thing. God always go back to the heart. God said, nope, your heart's not right when it comes to this. Here's what I'm trying to say. When you join a church, most churches, good churches, they have new member classes. 
They have other classes that you need to be involved. See, everybody, oh, I'll be glad new members over. But that, that's the way you find out what your church is doing, how they're set up, what, uh, what is, what's your responsibility in church, what the church's responsibility is to you. Stop trying to get out. You need to refresh yourself with it so you'll know. Stop trying to say, how many more weeks is it out? Like it's a drudgery when you're trying to find out wherever I'm going to fellowship, I need to know what they believe. Have sleep during the classes. That means anybody can tell you anything. The church is trying to tell you, yes, this is what we're, we expect you to tithe. We expect you to give. We have an assessment. We expect or we show expectations. Hmm. Any good church. Hmm. You should know all these things. But because at, at that time, it'll let you know if you want to join. And if you already join and you go in that class, it'll make you let you know if you want to stay. Because then I'm going to find out about what they're all about. So you should know what a church expects of you. Know what you should do as a member. Now, your financial responsibility in the church is simply that. You bring the tithe. You bring an offering. And if, if an assessment is asked for, you should, be, you should be happy to do that because why? It's your church. Whatever you do above the tithe, you give an offering. Special concerns of the church. Special things that are done. When, you're, you know, when your budget allows it, you should be a part of it. You should you you should sew arms. Now it never ceased to amaze me, and it flabbergasts me to know people that belong to this church and don't give. How you say you belong? Now for me, I'll be like, it's no way they belong here. It's no way they belong here. How you belong here, and you don't give anything pertain any. Now, now you know what? When we're talking about the tithes, because we're talking about assessment now, but it's all tied into the tithes. Now, listen, I wouldn't think anything of it if you didn't say you belong here. But you belong here, and you give nothing. You don't assess. You don't do pastors' compensation. You don't. You don't get. You don't do anything. And you say you love the Lord. And no, oh God, please don't tell me how much you loved your founding pastor. Cause this that tells everything right there. You don't even want to keep the work going. Don't tell me I, I don't want to hear that. That's talk. Because this is why it's talking about money. Because that's where your heart is. Don't try to act like money don't mean that much to you. It means a lot. And not only should you do all of that, you should st- and you should give to the poor. And give alms. You should find a way to give. When you come into any local church, you need to make a commitment to follow the program of that local church. Jesus is saying, that I expect you to do and keep it if you make a vow. So if you commit yourself, for example, with whatever pastor, our former pastor, have enacted like an assessment, and you said that you participate in it, and you stop participating after agreeing that you would participate, you have now put your tithe in the offering bucket. It is dead and will not bear fruit.
Those were white envelopes. Those were vows. It, it doesn't matter if I, well, I forgot about those. Well, you can't forget about a vow you made to God. God is still looking like, you haven't did a white envelope in quite some time. And that was a vow you made to, I know, see, right there, that's God, that's God, because a lot of people be like, hmm, oh, I did, I did. You made the commitment. You can't stop when you want to. It's a vow. But I, for me, I'm like, how, how could you, how could you forget? Well, well, see, this church is my priority. When it's not your priority, it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget. But you you defile your tithe. See, I'm telling you, it's more to it than just throwing it in the bucket. If you commit yourself, you must honor that. Again, if you participate in a segment every six months, whatever the vow is for that, you have to do that consistently. What if I get laid off? <laughs> well, didn't God know that? That's why he always tells you, get out of debt, save, so you'll never be in that crunch. If you get laid off because you're superabounding, you're not going to be trapped. You're trapped because you're living above your means or at your means. And now stuff happens. You live in this world. Things change every day. So you had better have yourself ready. Uh, uh, what, what the world calls ready for a rainy day. You're wondering why it's not working. If you commit it you, and participate, listen, it's all connected together. I, I used to tie, but I can't do it anymore. I, I used to assess, and I did, you know, I want to do pastor's compensation, and, but I don't know. Yeah, right. No. You defile the tithe if you made the commitment. Now, some people, you didn't make the commitment, then you're not, you're, you're not on it. I mean, it had nothing to do with you. But know of a certainty, what do have to do with you is the taking care of your pastor. Now, if you ain't doing that, you ain't doing nothing else. I'm going to tell you this, plain and simple. If you're struggling with the assessment, you're struggling with the tithe. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that now. If you're struggling with the assessment, you're struggling with the tithe. If you're struggling with pastor's compensation, you struggle with the tithe. No, 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 no. You're not going to make me believe you. No, you're struggling straight across the board. It's a dangerous thing to commit to do something and then stop doing it because it has a ripple effect down the line. It's going to affect something down the line. Look at your neighbor and say, this thing is getting serious. Now let's look at the civil law. Let's move. Disobedience to the civil law may defile your tithe. A civil law, remember, is enacted by man to govern man's behavior and to support the land. In other words, proper distribution of the world. Well, well, did Jesus support this? Go to Matthew chapter 22. We've already settled. Let's go to Matthew 22, verse 15. <clears throat> it reads, Then with the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. 
always trying to entangle. Let's see what Jesus has to say about this. That, you know, they're going to, you know, we want to deal with, we're going to deal with this money part of the civil law. Since that's what we're talking about. We will always be taking about talking about money at this point. I'll tell you when we're not. We're talking about this because it's all a part. We're talking about what defiles your tithe. Matthew 22 and 15. I'll, I'll read it again. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. Now we're going to run up on the word tribute again. And the particular, in this particular passage of scripture, he will be talking about civil taxes and government taxes. The kind that you pay involuntarily, you, that you're gonna pay, that kind. When you get yours, the government say, I'm gonna get, all that is thine is mine first. You, before you do anything, it's mine before you get yours. Those. In other words, he got it. The, the government's going to have it before you do. So everybody say taxes. Okay. This is what we're talking about concerning this particular one. Because remember what tribute is. It's different ones. One was talking about assessment to support the church. This one is talking about tribute to support the government. Look at verse 15. Then with the Pharisees into counsel how they might entangle him in his, his, his talk. And they sent out unto to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou of any man, for thou regardest not the respect of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Trying to catch him again. See, you're always trying to con Jesus. Like, okay, we can, we can trap him here. Let's, remember, they tried back with the acceptor. They tried to trap him there. They're gonna always, he's always trying to trap him. Jesus said, now, first, he sent the, their disciples and he, and he, with, with the Herodians. The Herodians came. They are all coming. Now, it's like somebody coming up to me and saying, Pastor, I want to talk about finances. And when they're talking about finances with me, they say, can we go in the office? And they bring a tax collector with them. See, they had the Rodians with them. They were coming. They, they were like, we've been a trap in there. Now, and we, we, you know, we know that you teach truth and you're not going to lie. And I know you, you know, you don't care about them being the Herodians. You don't, you don't care. You're going to tell the truth. He's like, yes, I am. But they're busy trying to trap him. Like, okay, you see who we have with us. Listen, listen, this, this, this gets deep. This question has a deeper meaning than the implication that you might first think. When you ask the, the uh, they ask him a very relevant question though. It was a deceitful, tricky question, but in deep implications, it was relevant. It really was. It was a relevant question. See, this is what you need to understand. In early biblical times, listen to me closely, when the Israelites paid their tithes, when they paid those, they also paid their taxes because they were self-ruled. That's the way they worked it. That's not the way we work it, but that's the way they worked it because they were self-ruled. They were under self-rule. And they had their tithes went with their religious support. And the other part went to temple support. That's the way they did it. 
So you have to understand some things. You just can't read it off the top of your head. And so they're saying, now, wait a minute. We've always been taught that as people of God, when we tithe, we've done all that we've done. We paid, we did tithe and we paid the taxes. Why? So, should we give Caesar some more? We've paid our tithes. Now here's the Caesar man. Right here. Right here with us watching you advise us. What should we do? And when they said this, Jesus, Jesus, he is something else. This is how, this, you know, this is just, he, he's just coming out of the temple. See, you got to get that in your head. We paid the tithe, they're coming out. Now the law, is it lawful that Caesar has come here and he wants us to pay taxes. Now, do you understand the question? See, it's a different question. We, but now that you know how it all works out, we've already paid that. See, if you just read it, it's like it said, do we need to give that? He's like, no, we've already done that. But now he's saying, do this. Look at verse 18. And Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why tempt ye me, you hypocrites? I'm here to tell Jesus perceived, he perceived their wickedness. And when he laid something on you, that is, then that was everlasting. He said, I, he perceived their wickedness. Oh, see, and he said, why tempt you me, you hypocrites? You, uh, you know what? This question, we could have gotten away with taxes if they wouldn't have asked this. They should have left that alone. Live. Look, watch what Jesus said. Verse 19, show me the tribute money. And they brought him a penny. Us, we'll bring a dollar or twenty dollars or whatever, we'll show it. He said, and he said unto them, whose image is on the superscription? They said unto him, Caesar's. Then said unto, he unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's. And unto God, the things that was God. He just said, you are going to pay taxes. Now, they could have left that alone. They should have left that alone. He's like, the, the country have a right to tax you and you have a right to pay. I don't care how much you don't like it. He said, who's on the prescription? See, if we had showed our, 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 our who's on there? Uncle Sam, whether they dead or alive. They, most of them are dead. But who's on there? He said, render to them that that belongs to them. And what belongs to me belongs to me. Now go pay your taxes. I imagine they said, you know what? We need to quit. If we, we just should have left that alone. We had a little leeway. But you kept messing around. And look what, this is what, what gets you. This is, this is what, uh, uh, solved this matter. How many of you think that you can take a cow to the IRS? You can't. He showed them exactly what he said. Show me the, show me what it is. And when they showed it, he said, now that, that's what you're going to have to render. So you can't take a cow to IRS, your talent, none of that. You gotta take money. Everybody say money, honey. That's what you have to take. They're not hearing any of that. Go up to IRS with a cow. 
and see if they take it. It has to be money. You can't take a chicken. You can't you, you none of that. You pay taxes with money. You can't work overtime and say I'm working overtime to pay my taxes. Nope, nope, nope. You're gonna pay for the overtime. They're gonna tax your overtime. Everybody say it's talking about money. Stop trying to act like, oh, no, they're going to tax everything. And he said, go pay it. Verse 20, and he said unto them, who is the image of the superscription? They said unto him, Caesar's. Then said he unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God. I love that. Everybody say, it's, I, I understand it's Monday. I understand it's Monday. Civil disobedience then can defile your tithe. That means if you don't pay your taxes, it can defile your tithes. Now, Jesus has spoken something that that formerly had not even been spoken. Now, I'm going to give you an implication. Watch this. Uh, Because I'm I'm trying to make you good, strong Christians here. I'm trying to. Here's the implication. Letter A. First of all, Jesus said that as a believer, we should pay taxes. That's what he just, by implication, said here. This hooks up with the church. church. The church have a right to assess you for the temple support. The government have a right to assess you. So you should pay taxes. I tell you, God is consistent. He is consistent. He did not change. He went from religious to civil law, but he was the same. He did not change. You need to understand that unchanging nature of God. He never changes. Same answer, same situation. He said, yes, pay the taxes. I expect you to pay the taxes. Implication number two, that it was lawful for the government to collect the taxes. He says it's lawful for them to do it, whether we like it or not. He said it's lawful for them to impose taxes upon you and then collect them. It was lawful. He did not rebuke the taxes. He did not say it was illegal for the government to impose taxes on us. He didn't say that. He didn't say, well, they shouldn't impose taxes on you all because you all are believers. Nowhere where he said that. He didn't say it. He said it's all right for the government to do that. Now, we don't have to worry about the percentage they take of things because we, we see in another passage of Scripture, he said he's going to deal with them to do unjust usury. But it's still you got to pay taxes. So don't worry. The taxes are too high. Don't worry. God's going to take care of that. But you still got to pay. He said, I'll deal with the unjust usury that's going on and all the di- different things like that. But you are have to pay your taxes and do it consistently. Are you following me? We'll see in First Corinthians at another time that which is that which is natural is always first, always first. So we have to first pay our taxes. Once you paid your taxes, because they're gonna get that first, you bring your tithe. That's equally as important to God. That's diligent with your taxes, 
And you have to be as diligent with your taxes as you are with the tithe. So then if we pay the tithe, pay the taxes, the unpaid tithes, if you, if you do anything other than that, the tithe is dead. And it won't bear, bear fruit. If you go against it, if you try to cheat on your taxes, if you don't pay your taxes, because God said, nope, they have a right to it. So we have to take the whole thing about tithing. We have to understand it. It's simply more than just 10% of your income that you give it to the church. It's much deeper than that. Are you with me? Woo, I'm running out of time, but I'm going to finish this and go on. So, if you take lightly the fact to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, you're going to take lightly to render what's God's to God. I'm going to tell you that now. So you think that that, 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 you know, you think God has some little laws and medium laws and a bigger law for somewhere else? Nope, straight across the board. God expects you to keep the laws, the civil laws. Jesus said it, that it is, and he established it. What a good God. So in the mind of God, when you are disobedient, listen, you, when you're disobedient or cheating on your taxes or not paying your taxes, you're not being disobedient to the government. You're being disobedient to God when you don't pay your taxes. He said, as a believer, in everything that you do, do heartily as unto the Lord. Everything. Well, you don't do anything as it is unto the government. You don't love your spouse as it is unto them. You're obeying God. You have to go obey the word. You have to love them according to unto the Lord. That's why, that, you know what? That's why that'll keep you from going to divorce court. When you love as unto the Lord. When you don't, you might be there. Amen. So a Christian should never be caught in tax court. Because we take care of business. Are you following me? We render to Caesar that which is Caesar and God that which is God. Amen. Now, remember in the front of your mind, the principle is in two parts. Sow and reap. Now, and it's not complete until you get what? A harvest. So you don't have, don't ever be concerned about the harvest. See, most people, oh, I wonder when it's going. Don't be concerned. Be concerned about obedience. That's your concern, not the harvest. The harvest, if the harvest is on your mind, and that thought, that thought press, is you just going to worry about that thing? It knows what to do. It's going to. If you sow, it's like put the, it's a seed in the ground. It knows what to do. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to be concerned about it. It's going to do. Now, when Jesus said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar and God the things of God, he didn't deal with percentages. He didn't say what percentage to give the Lord. Ah. Why didn't he, when he was saying, render unto God the things that are God, why didn't he say, render this amount, that amount? He didn't have to because it was already stated back then. He already told you to bring that ten. He don't have to keep repeating himself. It might be repeated for, for continuity of thought in the different teachings that the d- different teachers taught in the different books, but it's the same thing. So he said, oh, you already know what to do. Bring what belongs to me. Are you with me? Now, so we already said over in Matthew chapter 5 that 
that he said, Jesus said, he didn't come to destroy the law. He said, I come to fulfill it. So when people say it's done away with how, when he said, I didn't come to destroy it, make it not work anymore. He said, I came to fulfill it. He said, I'm not telling you to do anything that is not already established. Nothing that's not already established. I'm not going to change what God told you to give. Jesus wasn't doing any of that. Everything was set. If God said bring the tenth part, Jesus didn't come and say, now change it to the fifteenth. Let's do a fifteenth part. No. He said, I'm staying with what's already established. He said, I didn't come to change it. I didn't come to, I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. Amen? Now turn, if you will, to Romans. Go to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. We'll verify what he said. Verse 1 and 13. Let every subject be, uh, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. This will verify what he said. So government, all these things that are ordained of God, you say, you know, really, are they really, he just said, all of it is ordained of God. Look at verse 2. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinances of God, and they that resist it shall receive to themselves damnation, or receive to themselves a defiled tithe. For rulers are not terror to good works, but to evil, without then not be afraid of the power, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. I like that. Verse 4. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. In other words, God intends for there to be a law and order in the land. Decency and order to prevail. And he says, when you disobey that law, when you disobey that law, you have already disobeyed the law of the land and you disobeyed me, he's saying. Because what? I told you to obey the law of the land. So don't think, oh, this, that. No, you're disobeying God. I love that. You're disobeying. Look at verse 5. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not for only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. It ought to be on your conscience. Don't just do it because it's gonna, because you're gonna get beat up or you're gonna go to jail. You ought to do it because it's a right, you have a righteous conscience. Look at verse 6. For this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another had fulfilled the law. He's saying here, he said, look, I didn't change anything. You're going to have to follow the laws of the land. Follow the laws that I have said. 
He said, and you won't owe any man when you do that. When you buy a car, whatever date that your date to pay the car note on, when you pay that, you owe no man. If you have your house note or your rent at the first of the month, when you pay that, that, that you, you owe them nothing for 30 days. It's yours. They can't do anything to you for those 30 until you pay again. And you owe no man. It don't mean, when it says, oh no man, it don't mean because sometimes you just don't have money to go and pay, go and pay $500,000 for a house. How many of you have $500,000 just go buy a house or $300,000? No, you have to, but he said, but when you pay it like you suppose, like you did, like you made a commitment to, you owe no man. You don't have to sweat it. You don't have to do anything, but just you, you walk away and say, I don't owe no man. No man but to love them. Did you hear that? The last one. Well, number three. Disobedience to the natural law. God can, listen, it can defile the tithe. The natural law. They are binding, they are as binding as the spiritual law. Romans chapter 1. Go, go over from verse 13, I mean, for chapter 13, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It reads, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it is the power unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to, to the Jews first, and also to the Greek. For there is, is righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith. Whatever is unnatural, listen, is also sinful. Mm, here we go. Gotta hit it. Now we're talking about the natural laws. Whatever is unnatural, listen to me closely, is sinful. God put natural laws in the earth for them to be kept naturally. So all of you out there with perverted thoughts, I want this God pleased with that. You know, I know. You don't need counseling. You don't need counseling to know what is unnatural is sinful. You don't, you don't even have to be saved to know, to know that. You don't have to be a Christian to know when you've broken a natural law. I don't show it to you in the scriptures. You don't have to believe me. Listen. God has, even if you don't know God, God has a way of revealing himself to you. You know when something is wrong. I'm going to show you right now, you may not ever come to church. Maybe you're streaming. You may not ever come to church. You may not even, you may even end up in hell. But listen, I want you to know that you can know God. And you can know His plan for your life. You can know His purpose for your life. You can know those things. You can know what He doesn't want you to do and what He does. You can know those things. Now listen what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Here we go. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Now he's already showing us that. Jump down to verse, uh, well let me just read on through. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now he said, he, he, all of this, listen, that holds the truth in unrighteousness. There's a law against that. Did you hear me? Listen, verse, verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest to them, for God hath shown it to them. Verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. Whatever you need to know about God as it relates to getting in right standing with God, it relates to his natural laws, God will make sure that he lets you know what is right and what is wrong what is sinful and what is not. In other words, you are able to walk in the midst of the things of God. Don't tell me that you're not in what he has created and you understand that God knows innately because everything that's going on with you. Why? Because you, he, you're made in the image and the likeness of God. Whether you accept him or not, you are created in his image. And he will reveal himself unto you and you will know when you are right and when you are wrong. God lets you know. Every child of his, he'll let you know. That's why you can find children that come from the worst family do good. And you find children that come from good families, they do wrong. Why? Because they make a choice to go against what they've been taught. They know. They innately know what's right to do, but they choose to do something else. They choose. Verse 20. Uh, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. The natural things versus unnatural things. Do you know that the Africans, they knew God. They, listen, they knew the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit ever before it came to America. You need to do some research. Ever before you, even before there was a written Bible, they wrote about it. We all the audacity like we going over and give the Africans something. They knew about it before you. Why? Because God revealed Himself to them. The first time the Trinity was written, it was not written in this scripture. I'm telling you, it was written by Africans a long, long time ago. Do you know where the Garden of Eden is supposed to have been? In Africa. They wrote about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit thousands of years before the written scriptures. This is the holy word of God. It is what we rely upon and depend upon. And God reveals himself to man even before he was written. Now I want to point out some things. There are some unnatural things we need to look at. 
Man tends to get involved in unnatural worship, unnatural sex, and unnatural behaviors. That's men for you. They get involved in those things. Watch it. Look, look, look what it says in the book, starting at verse 21. <clears throat> because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Look at verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God unto an image made like corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. In other words, go around worshiping everything, worshiping stars and rabbit foots and around their necks. Astrology. And let me tell you, those of you dealing in the sun, I'm a Sagittarius. I'm a Scorpio. I'm, when are you going to be a Christian? All of that is dubbing and dabbling into worshiping things that are not godly. And if you're a Christian into all of that, you're into foolishness. Palm, next thing you'll be into palm reading. And all those kind of foolish things. Worshiping God, you know, God, the the creation more than the creator. Worshiping the stars. No. That's, That's foolishness. Look at verse 24. Wherefore God had gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Mm, mm, mm. Now that, now all you people out there who said God made me this way is a lie. Is a lie. And you're never going to make God a lie. I want you to listen to what God says very carefully, what I'm about to say. Some of you better listen very carefully. This is your last chance. You didn't stream by coincidence. This is your last chance. You listen good. Wherefore God gave them up, verse 24, unto the uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts and dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, here we go, God has given them up. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affection, for even even their women changed the natural use unto that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of women, burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving unto themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Oh, my God. Now, you know what? God is giving you every kind of warning that it, it, it is. Every kind. In other words, women sleeping with women. Men sleeping with men. That is an unnatural act. That is not natural. And I don't care how much you tithe. Your tithe is dead. Like all the rest. That is a natural act. 
Anything that is unnatural is sinful. And you don't need to be a Christian or to go to church to know this. To know it's unnatural for a woman to sleep with a woman and a man to sleep with a man. All you got to do, if you want to see if that works, men, you know, they love to call my partners or my whatever they, whatever they are. You need to, the, the two women stand in the mirror right next to each other and see does it fit. Men, we'll get your partner, y'all stand in the mirror together. See does it fit. It's unnatural. Look in that mirror. Don't look away. See if that natural pairs up. If it don't, then it's unnatural. And it's not of God. But you can be delivered. God wants you delivered from that. Because if you remember what we read, you got just recompense coming your way. And see, now nobody's in the closet no more. They want you to know. And God wants you to know. God ain't never been in the closet about this. He's been trying to get you out of that foolishness. Stand up! Homosexuals say that's my lover, or my best friend, or my partner. I want your lover, your best friend, and your partner to stand in the mirror with you. Unnatural. It's just unnatural. And please don't tell me you were born that way. What? Not when God just said you changed the truth. God said, no, no, no. They knew the truth and changed the truth for the lie. And now what gets me, it hurts me more because... A person caught up with this, they have a chance to come out of it. What gets me is parents that are saved that accept it. Now that's, that, now that hurts, now you, it's more hope for them that's in that very act to come out of it than you. You saying that you know God and you don't even talk to them about the food. You accept it. Let me tell you the way I am. If my sons came home and talked about they had a man friend and they had a friend, they could not enter my door. I want you to know I don't approve of that. And I'm not friend. It had nothing to do with my love. But you're not, I wish I would. You okay with that? You grinning? You play? You coming over like that? You know, your daughter come in and that's your daughter-in-law? Your son sneaking around. You know. Well, let me tell you. If you don't know, don't say you're a believer. Everybody know but you. No. Unnatural. That's unnatural thoughts that you have. No, no, and no. You must let them know you disapprove of it. You must let them know that it's ungodly. You must let them know Romans. You tell them, go and read and meditate on the whole book of Romans chapter 1. You are not going to get out of it. God said, just recompense is coming your way. Mm -mm. 
Listen, if you have men, men's genitals, you need to know the proper way to use them. Women, the proper way to use them. Did you hear me? They have to be used in the proper manner. And believe me, this is a spiritual thing. This is, this is not a physical thing that you're suffering from. You know why? It's unnatural. It's unnatural. People's view on oral sex. Ooh. Don't you dare stop screaming. And I hear the quietness in the house. But is it natural? What did God make your mouth for? What did he make your teeth for? You're not going to... It's not natural. I don't care how it feels. That was for somebody. But oh, it feels... It it doesn't matter how it feels. It's unnatural. I knew it would be that quiet. But you don't have... See, for, for me, for you to have... Because somebody have, have, have texted me and asked me about that. Let me tell you something. For you to ask me about oral sex, if it's right or wrong, is it okay, even within a marriage, for you to ask me that, is you trying to entangle me. Because you know. You know. If you didn't know, why didn't you ask me about the regular? You know that's okay, so you didn't, I ain't gonna ask about that. Why? Because it's natural. But you're gonna ask me that, about that which is unnatural? You're trying to entangle me like they did Jesus. You don't have to ask me, is it okay for a woman to be in a bed with a woman? You don't have, why would you ask me something like that? You know it's not. A man to be in the bed with a man? I wish a woman would. But it don't, that just don't even, that don't even sound right. The vision of it don't even look right. Nothing about it is natural. Nothing, it's just all wrong. And then you come in tithe. And it's defiled and dead as a donut. Now, see, many of you said, oh, God, Rajah been dead a long time ago. Well, you better resurrect it. I know, I know, I know. I wish I could change it for you, too. But I can't. It's the truth of the matter. I love you, but I can't. And guess what? If you was married to a woman, God never honored that crap. If you were married to a man, God never honors that crap. It's unnatural. God's never going to honor anything unnatural. So as far as God is concerned, you were not. And as far as I'm concerned, you were not. Can't be. It's unnatural. Don't ask me about that. Don't ask me about oral sex. If you have to ask me, you already know it's wrong. 
You don't, because you didn't ask me about any other part of having sex. Why you ask me about that one? Because you already know that it's unnatural. God expects us to abide by the natural laws. Don't ask me about things you know. And don't ask me about things that you don't even have to know God to know. Because you don't. You don't even have to know God to know that. And finally, spiritual law. The spiritual law governs that which is in the spiritual realm. The only statement that needs to be made upon the spiritual law is this. That all other laws, whether they be religious, write this down. This is the final statement. This is the only statement I'm going to give you about the spiritual uh, law. All of the other laws, whether they be, they be religious, natural, or civil, they are to be abstracted from, weight against, W-E-I-G-H-E-D, weighed against, judged by, and rejected for if they are in conflict with the spiritual law of God. Say it again. Concerning the spiritual law. All laws that we talked about, whether they be religious, natural, or civil, they ought to be abstracted from, weighed against, judged by, and rejected for if they are in conflict with the spiritual laws of God. When it comes in conflict with the laws of God, you must reject it. When you don't quite understand, you weigh it against the laws of God, spiritually. You must understand, church, victory with the Lord is victory in every aspect of your life. So, if someone is to, 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 to sit up on, on a TV or a, a church or any place and cheapen the Word of God with just a dime on a dollar... It's tied as much further than that. Much further than that. A, a little cheap, you know, raising money scheme. No, it's about the entire kingdom. It's about God blessing you. It's about following these four laws and making sure that I'm in place and I'm doing what I'm doing. It's not hard to do. It's not for, hard to follow the civil law. Just abide by the law of the land. It's not contradictory to the word of God, to the spiritual things of God. It's not. You know, if you go down and start looking, you'll be like, you know what? These are easy to keep. Why can't I just keep these? I have to keep these. Why? Because when I keep those things, it makes my tithe clean. It makes my tithe clean. And it doesn't matter if anyone else is or not doing it. And see, that's another way you just get entangled. What you, what you, what you talking about it for? Why are you asking somebody else? Are you assessing? Are you doing pastor's compensation? What's that to you? What's that to you? I, I'm appalled of the people that say they belong to this church and don't give. I'm like, seriously? No, it's getting you now. I was going to say get you on the back end. It'll get you there too. 
but you think you got it going on. You give nothing to God. You talk foolish. You talk this, that, and other, but you never, you, and you've forgotten you have an enemy. But we're going to talk about that enemy because God said what he was going to do. If you're tithing, if you haven't been tithing, well, none of this, none of this you can apply. See, it's not about me. It's not about this church building. It's not about any of that. It's about obedience to God. And if you can't obey in that simple thing, you're, you're, you're conflicted in every area. You're conflicted in every area. And that's the sad part. So don't, you know, I'm, I, I can't mix bones with you. I can't, you know, because you're a relative or because I love you or because you're my child or because you're my grandchild or my niece. I can't change the word for you and I won't. I won't. I won't ever do that. It has to be said. It has, God is looking for you to come out so you can be free indeed. So that you can be clear. So that you can superabound. So that this word, that this tide, all of it will work for you. That I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do. I need it to work for I need, I, you know what? I need my tide working for me. I need God to provide for me in every area of my life. In every area of my life. And I know that he will because he's done it all these years. And he'll still do it. He'll do it again. I don't sweat it. I don't sweat those that don't do pastor's compensation because God is always provided with you or without you. It does not matter. God has never failed me. And not never failed me yet. He's never failed me. And he never will. He never will. So none of that. God is just trying to get you to be blessed. You to be consistent. You to do. Stop looking about and, uh, at everything that you shouldn't be looking at. And just look at God. I keep my finger on the pulse of God. I keep my eyes focused on the things of God. I keep seeing what God, what's next. What do you want me to do? What do you have me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to handle it? How do you, you show me and I'll do it. Well, he know I'm bold enough to do it. You need to get that bold. Operate in the principles of God. Work this thing. Work your time. Work, do what you're supposed to do. Just obey. And watch your life change forever. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.